the CU 2.0 podcast. Welcome to the CU 2.0 podcast. This is your host, Robert McGarvey. Today's guest, Patrick Conway, CEO of the Pennsylvania Credit Union Association. It's a very big league, many, many, many hundreds of members, many hundreds of members under $20 million in assets, quite a few over a billion dollars in assets. Intriguing mix. Pennsylvania is a great credit union state, one of the greatest in the country. And the PCUA runs an extremely active lobbying organization. Job one is lobbying. What's interesting is that none of the credit unions in Pennsylvania employs its own lobbyists. They all turn to the association. You don't see that in other sectors. We talk a lot about that, Conway and I do. And there's an intriguing difference between credit unions and other businesses. He came to PCUA from a different industries trade association where many of those members did have their own lobbyists. You know, as I say, you don't see it in credit unions is intriguing. Shows the cooperative collegial nature of credit unions more so than other kinds of businesses. We also talk about a very hot button issue, hot for some people, the Philadelphia initiative to issue ID cards to its residents. ID cards that would perhaps be sufficient for opening a, a checking account at a credit union. And lower cost than state-issued ID cards. And right now, PCUA is one of the primary supporters of this initiative, though, as Conway stressed, he sees his job, the association's job, as facilitating the adoption of those credit cards by members that choose to. It's totally volitional, optional. It's up to each institution to decide how it wants to treat those cards. But other cities have done this, New York, for instance, and uh, uh, with some success. So we will see what plays out in uh, Pennsylvania with their Philadelphia ID card. Meantime, we also talk about the role of the state league, the role of the state league, and the relationship to CUNA today, issues that have changed a great deal. We talk about hot button lobbying initiatives including things like cannabis banking, apparently very big in Pennsylvania. No credit unions, to the knowledge of the league, currently engage in cannabis banking, but quite a few are certainly looking at cannabis banking as an opportunity in the future. Tax exemption remains a key issue. Tax exemption is not going away. A lot of credit unions are determined to keep tax exemption. And according to Conway, there's no real threat on the federal horizon at this point in time. Uh, that, of course, is very volatile. Everything's volatile in Washington today. Could all change. This is a great conversation. You will learn, I will learn, a uh, heck of a lot about what credit union lobbying organizations do. Uh, PCUA, by the way, lobbies both locally in Harrisburg, the state capital, and in Washington, D.C., which is pretty interesting. And in Washington, D.C., they supplement CUNA's efforts. They don't step on CUNA's toes, but they do work cooperatively with CUNA. So you'll learn a lot about lobbying, and uh, buckle up, tune in. We have a lot to talk about. Let's start with the uh, ID card. Absolutely. What can you tell me about it? You know, initiative by uh, Philadelphia City Council that started with a legislative proposal back in 2016. A bill was passed uh, subsequently in 2018, uh, which led to the launch of this municipal ID card. There are about 20 other cities across the country that have similar programs. And Philadelphia's intent really is to provide a low-cost 
identification alternative that's less expensive and more accessible perhaps than state identification uh, programs would be for folks that, you know, that, that may have trouble getting identification and access to basic services. Philadelphia put together a task force, uh, the Credit Union Association of Pennsylvania, uh, along with some banking organizations have participated. Uh, and we see our role really as a facilitator to assist credit unions evaluating the opportunity to partner with the city of Philadelphia to participate in the program. Uh, Philadelphia expects to launch this uh, program officially next month. They had targeted March, but it looks like it'll be April. And at this point, we don't know for sure which financial institutions or which credit unions may consider participating, but we do think it's an opportunity perhaps for credit unions to grow membership and you know provide help to those that are underserved in the city. So you think it would be an acceptable form of ID for opening a new account at a credit union? Yes, it could be. And I think the city is hopeful that, you know, this identification card would not only provide access to services like banking products at banks and and credit unions, but also accepted identification for any city programs, any city departments. And I think the city also views this identification card program as a powerful symbol of inclusion uh, to folks in the city that may be marginalized community members. Was this initiative uh, anything of a flashpoint among your membership? You know, I wouldn't say so. I mean, there are some concerns, I think, about whether credit unions and banks would want to offer uh, service with this uh, identification card, if there could potentially be some fraud concerns. Philadelphia did an RFP, and the city hired a firm with 20 years of experience uh, with a strong background in in fraud. And so I think they feel pretty confident that that's not going to be a concern. I know in some other municipalities around the country, uh, the one concern that has been raised is potential for fraud. Uh, But I think the city feels pretty confident that they'll be able to address that successfully. Uh, But that's the one concern we've heard from some of our credit unions. You know, we're not aware of any that have committed to accepting the card once it's actually launched in April in Philadelphia. But we do see a lot of credit unions doing their due diligence on whether they'd like to participate and partner with the city. I think uh, we may see some community banks evaluating, you know, that partnership as well. And I think particularly for credit unions, you know, it sort of fits in with our people helping people philosophy. If it's uh, an opportunity to help marginalized residents in an urban area like Philadelphia feel, you know, more part of the community and, and provide access potentially to financial services as opposed to, you know, sort of high-risk, high-cost alternatives like payday lenders and check cashers. You know, we do, we do see some opportunity here, but at the end of the day, it'll come down to individual financial institutions and our credit unions to make a decision whether they choose to participate. I'd be very surprised if community development credit unions in Philadelphia weren't very enthusiastic about this. This, this could be a wonderful thing for them. Absolutely. And we've seen a lot of interest. You know, we did a webinar with credit unions. We had initially partnered uh, with the uh, banking trade as well, and we provided, you know, the webinar materials to our trade association for for banks. And so we've really shared the information that we put out there with community uh, banks and credit unions. But we do see a lot of interest within our membership and our credit unions in Philadelphia. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful that it, it might match up well with some credit union's uh, strategic direction, and I think you're right. I think there are some in Philadelphia that may want to take advantage of this. Uh, certainly well-intentioned program. I think it's had some success. Chicago and New York uh, both have had seen success, I think, with, you know, citizens opening bank accounts at credit unions that, you know, they, they wouldn't have had otherwise. So, you know, we're hopeful that uh, this will be a positive thing for Philadelphia, but 
you know, we're really still in the due diligence stage where credit unions are sort of kicking the tires and learning more about the program. And again, we see the Pennsylvania Credit Union Association really as a facilitator to provide the information that our member credit unions may need to fairly evaluate whether they choose to participate. So the city would issue the card. The consumer would take the card to, let's say, a credit union and attempt to open an account with it. That's essentially how this is going to work? Correct. You know, it would be a municipal ID card issued by the city, and it would, you know, again, it would be more affordable than a state uh, identification card like a Pennsylvania driver's license, for example. Anyone in Philadelphia that's 13 or older would be eligible. They would need to verify to the city they're a resident of Philadelphia, verify their age. Uh, and, you know, the application fee for teens would be $5, and for adults it would be 10 bucks. So uh, it's a more affordable, sort of a low-barrier, secure alternative to a state-issued ID. And again, I think the intent of the legislation that City Council passed was to provide this, this sort of identification to those that might not be able to access a state driver's license, for example. And it could help the homeless community, immigrant community, returning citizens, disabled elderly youth and so on. So I think, you know, again, it's very well intended. Too early because we haven't launched yet in Philadelphia to say how successful it'll be, but uh, I know the association's been pleased to be a part of it and to help facilitate discussion uh, with financial institutions in the city. Well, I've seen and perhaps you've seen people buying stacks of money orders to pay bills. And money orders cost, what, a buck a piece, two bucks a piece? I guess it depends upon where you buy them. But that adds up if you're buying five of those. Whereas a credit union, you probably get a free checking account. Right. No, that's, I mean, I think that's a, that's an excellent point, Robert. And, you know, I think for those fees add up. And frankly, the, you know, they're adding up quickly for parts of the population of Philadelphia that, that really can't afford them. And so I think the intent of the program would be to potentially provide some sound banking relationships for citizens that might really have to rely on these sort of periphery and high risk, high cost alternatives, as you suggest. Well, we're, we're at a philosophical divide in the, in the credit union movement right now, where some institutions really are extremely big on pursuing the unbanked. Other institutions are saying, hey, Chase doesn't want them, why do I? And you can take either side of this. It's, I'm, I'm not taking I have a personal opinion about which is the better way to go, but I respect both sides of that, that argument. And this clearly is on the side of let's bank the unbanked and see what happens. There are a lot of unbanked people. That's right. Your background is, I was intrigued by this, your background is was immediately before the credit union movement in the hospitality business. Yes. How did you make that leap? Your real background is in politics, I understand that. But how did you make the right. leap from hospitality to credit union? Was, was that a difficult leap, a learning curve? You know, Robert, that's a great question. It, it was actually a pretty seamless transition for me. Uh, served in the same role with the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association for 12 years before coming to the Pennsylvania Credit Union Association at the end of 2013. Uh, and the transition was actually fairly easy. We do um, advocacy and services for our members as we did in the hospitality industry. Every industry has a trade group and the workings of our trade groups are very similar. 
the issues are very different, of course, on the regulatory side and the legislative side. But I've enjoyed really immersing myself in those issues uh, in the financial services place. But the people were very similar, actually. The people helping people philosophy of the credit union movement, which I'm so fortunate to be a part of today, very similar to the sort of philanthropic orientation of the hospitality industry. You know, restaurants and hospitality businesses, hotels, tourism entities, for example, they're they're very big about giving back in the community. So it's the transition from a people standpoint was actually pretty seamless, and it's been a lot of fun. I, I just found it uh, unusual since many in the credit union industry have a deep distrust of people who don't have a credit union background. I, I don't know that that's entirely rational, but I've seen that time and time again. <laughs> right. uh, well, and I, I, you, your I background was anything but credit. You didn't even have a financial services background. Right. You know, as I say, your real background, if I read back to the beginning of your, your resume, was in politics. And the mission of the Credit Union Association of Pennsylvania is primarily politics, right? Yes. It's, it's really um, being the voice of credit unions, single largest priority for for PCUA and for most uh, credit union trade associations and all trade associations, in fact, is advocacy and really being the voice of the industry. So background that uh, that I brought into trade association management even before joining the hospitality industry in that same capacity uh, has served well, I think, in, in, in terms of being an effective voice for uh, the industries that we represent. You know, credit union folks are terrific at advocacy, too. What I found is over the last five or six years here in my role, uh, we have great advocates at the grassroots level. Philadelphia is a great example from large credit unions to small. We've got CEOs, board members, employees of credit unions hosting visits for members of our congressional delegation, we're state legislators. Uh, we've had good interactions on this issue, for example, even at the city council level in Philadelphia. So in addition to the work of the, of the uh, Pennsylvania Credit Union Association, our credit unions in Pennsylvania have been very active and very effective in that advocacy arena. So that's been a lot of fun for me working with our members uh, to be an effective voice for the industry. How many um, league people went to, to the uh, GAC uh, from Pennsylvania, we had about 75 credit union leaders participate, uh, and we met with 18 of our congressional offices. Uh, we have 18 members of our House delegation, of course, uh, to United States senators. So we had we had a pretty good footprint covered at GAC last week. I think it was a very successful week for our members. How has your relationship with CUNA changed during your tenure as the, as the head of this association? Yeah, you know, I would I would say that it's. It certainly evolved five or six years that I've been a part of it, but I would describe it as never stronger. You know, we work very closely with CUNA, not only on uh, membership, but on compliance. We've been a part of uh, a national dialogue and had to better deliver compliance solutions to credit unions across the country. Many of my peers in other states, and certainly we believe here in Pennsylvania that we're very strong in the compliance arena. We're very proud of the compliance experts that we have in our team and the service they provide to credit unions. But we could collectively do a better job at integrating our delivery, you know, across the country and, and, and working with system players like League InfoSight, for example, and others, and CUNA to provide a more seamless delivery for those important services. And I think, you know, we've never been working more closely with CUNA on all of those things. So I think it's um, it's very positive. It's interesting you talk about my background. Jim Nussel uh, is another credit union leader that came into the industry from uh, a different place. And so, you know, Jim and I share, of course, he served for a long time in Congress. And my first uh, 
professional job at a college was as a staff member for a congressman. So I think uh, we're seeing more folks coming into the, you know, to the credit union movement with that advocacy or political background that has really helped us kind of get plugged into the advocacy uh, work that our credit unions are doing so effectively today. I, I think that's been the norm in D.C. trade associations for 50 years. Most of the heads of big trade associations that I'm aware of came out of uh, Congress. And their relationship to, say, oil and gas was peripheral. Now, you have roughly 395 credit union members? Yes, actually, I think we're down to about 373 with uh, some continued mergers. I think we're down just under 375 today. And, of course, we see that trend continuing. Pennsylvania's got... Uh, you know, I think we usually sort of trade with Texas, I believe, with one and two in terms of the number of credit unions nationally. So we have a lot of them, but fewer than we did, obviously, a few years ago. And that trend continues not only here, but across the country. Uh, but we do have, uh, I think we've got about 200 credit unions under $20 million in assets. So while we have a lot of credit unions, we have a lot of large, sophisticated institutions we do have an awful lot of small ones as well. And so, you know, I think that's uh, what makes Pennsylvania and some of our other states a little unique is that we've got credit unions that run the gamut from very small to, to very large. Yeah, that's a topic that personally fascinates me is the divide between the haves and the have-nots in the credit union world. And Pennsylvania is a microcosm of this where you have some very big, sophisticated institutions like the Pennsylvania State Employees uh, Credit Union for instance. Right. Uh, and then you have all of these institutions under 20 million, which definitionally is a have not. So how, how do these, how do they work together in the, in the association? They, they work together very well. And I think, you know, you talk to credit union leaders who have been involved in the movement uh, much longer than I have. And of course, you hear a lot about the change over the last 20, 30 years, even the last five or 10 in terms of collaboration. Uh, but we're still the most collaborative, cooperative industry that I've ever seen. Uh, working in trade associations uh, for a long time and being familiar with uh, with the work that we do, one of the one of the strengths that we have is that while it has evolved and changed over time, it's still definitely, in my view, the most collaborative industry you know out there. And I think that really serves us well. I see large credit unions here in Pennsylvania helping the the smaller ones with things that they may need help with, you know, and I think that even some of the larger ones and some of our bigger markets that may compete more than they, you know, used to perhaps in the past are still very collaborative and willing to share information, uh, certainly uh, at a much different level than you see uh, on the banking side of our industry. So I think it's still a very a positive strength for credit unions. What, tell me about your Moving Your Credit Union Forward campaign. We rebranded the Pennsylvania Credit Union Association back in the fall of 2017, and we unveiled the new brand actually on International Credit Union Day in October of that year. So we're really into our new sort of brand platform uh, for just about a year and a half now, and it's really founded on research and data that we derived from interviewing extensive interviews with our credit unions here in Pennsylvania, which helped uh, develop a better sense of what their needs are from their trade association. And the brand platform is really built on that foundation that, that you mentioned, Robert. It's moving your credit union forward. 
and sort of the centerpiece of the new logo is a forward-looking sort of an arrow shape and design, and I think it's really uh, designed to show that uh, we want our association to be forward-thinking, to be more progressive, you know, and to be focused on credit union needs of tomorrow so that we can be better positioned to meet the needs of credit unions in the future as we're developing services and products that can help credit unions and continue to sharpen our skills as the voice of credit unions through the advocacy work that we do. So it's really it's really all about looking forward, anticipating the continued changes in the credit union industry and trying to position our credit unions for future growth, whether they're the small ones or the larger ones. And the larger credit unions tend to look to us you know, more for, I think, the advocacy role that we play. And some of the smaller credit unions may rely on us on a more day-to-day basis for compliance or audit services or basic programs like that that we offer. So we're really trying to stay focused on the future. The industry continues to change. That change is accelerating every day. And we believe that uh, as an effective trade association for credit unions in Pennsylvania, we need to change with it and uh, be on the front end, front edge of that change. So that's why we're forward looking and and trying to be as progressive as we can as we move forward into the future. Do any credit unions in Pennsylvania have their own lobbyists? None that that we're aware of. Uh, Pennsylvania State employees did at one time, um, and and actually I bumped into that individual uh, at GAC in Washington last week, is now working, you know, in the administration down in Washington. But uh, currently, no. Most of our credit unions are, are very effective with their the staff and the board members that they have, and those that have branches that have physical footprint throughout congressional and state legislative districts have been very effective at, at bringing elected officials in to to make that connection. And and really, many of them work very closely with uh, PCUA. Uh, and the advocacy uh, program that we have. So, you know, we certainly welcome any credit unions that may consider doing that in the future. I think any added voices or professional lobbyists that are a part of our efforts can only make us stronger, but I think uh, our credit unions uh, do that very well. In addition to having uh, two registered lobbyists on staff, we also have a whole team of compliance experts that really uh, directly support the advocacy work that we're doing because so much of our advocacy now is on the regulatory side, comment letters with NCUA, CFPB, and so forth. So the compliance experts that we have on our staff team, I think, well, they're not technically registered lobbyists. They're really an integral part of our lobbying team. And then the staff lobbyists that we have are supplemented by private lobby contracts in Harrisburg and in Washington. So we've got a deeper bench Uh, PCOA does when we're advocating for credit unions at the state capitol here in Harrisburg and also down in Washington. So I think we've got a really good team and our credit unions are really the core part of that entire effort. That's interesting. So you actually do Washington lobbying? We do. We have um, Christina Mahalik, who who is our senior vice president of government relations, and I both spend a fair amount of time in Washington working with CUNA. And State organizations have very strong relationships with their congressional delegations. So even in a a strong, effective national trade like CUNA, really benefits from the closer relationships that that we can bring with the the folks that represent us in Washington because they're from Pennsylvania. Many of our congressional delegations, for example, served in the state legislature before they 
were elected to Congress. So we've nurtured these relationships for many, many years and have very strong relationships. So we do spend a lot of time in Washington uh, to maintain those relationships and be an effective partner for Kiana and to be a good, strong advocate uh, for our credit unions in Washington. And of course, we're located here in the state capitol in Harrisburg, uh, so we can be at the capitol literally on a moment's notice, and we've got a, a very strong presence here. And the contract firm that we that we use with Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, which is a, a large law firm that's got a robust government affairs practice, you know, the nice thing about that relationship is that the contract lobby team can supplement our staff efforts, and they've got offices in Washington and in Harrisburg. So we found that to be effective as well. It's an interesting business, credit unions, as you talk about it, where you go back to the lodging business, the big lodging companies all have their own lobbyists. They're not dependent upon a lodging association. I'm not saying they don't welcome assistance, but Marriott has lobbyists. I'm pretty sure about that. And yeah. uh, whereas in the credit union business, it's not normal. It's not typical, even for a big credit union to employ its own lobbyists. This it's a different it's a different world. You know, it it, it is a little different, Robert. I, I think you're right. And I attribute some of that anyway to the fact that even though our system has changed, we have membership choice now, for example. So we've decoupled the required membership between CUNA and the leagues and state organizations, and other things have changed. And yet we're still so cohesive, and most credit unions continue to belong to both and be engaged in the state and the national trades. And I think the, the historical strength of our system is unique to other industries. You know, coming into the credit union space from the hospitality industry, you know, that's a, a pretty cohesive industry as well, but nothing compared to the credit union movement. And so I think that we even still call ourselves a system. The system of state organizations in CUNA is so well connected that I think uh, credit unions have historically and continue to be able to effectively count on their trade associations to be uh, a very strong organizer of those advocacy efforts. And again, I think the credit unions themselves are the core part of that, and that's what makes us so successful. But the trade associations at the state and national levels, uh, I think, do an excellent job representing the system. The hotel industry or hospitality, you know, transportation industry, for example, manufacturing, while they're together, it's a, it's a, it's a looser alignment, I would say, in many industries. And, and so some of those businesses may have to invest more themselves in their own lobbyists, whereas I think we've had the luxury to be able to rely on our trade associations and, and the collaboration with the members that they represent. So it's a really great thing. I mean, we should be very proud of that as a, as a credit union movement. It's, it's an intriguing thing that even the big ones don't tend to have their own lobbying outfits. It's, it's all, they really are being collegial and cooperative about that. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Robert. I think that sends a positive, uh, makes a positive statement about the industry as well. Now, what do you see as the big issues in Pennsylvania that, that affect your members and that you're involved in, in lobbying on? We actually have next week our state credit union legislative day. We've got a number of issues at the state level. Uh, prize link savings uh, is is one that sort of tops the list. Uh, we've had bills introduced the last session or two. Uh, we're hopeful that we'll get that adopted in the state legislature like some other uh, state organizations have had success with recently. Uh, improving the relationship with our state banking regulator is a, is a key priority for us. Building relationships with key state departments, the Pennsylvania Treasury Department, for example, 
Uh, we have a meeting with next week with our credit unions, and they're rolling out a new retirement program for Pennsylvanians that may not participate in a retirement program through their employment. And we see a role for credit unions, not only on the legislative issues that we'll be working on next week, but also building relationships uh, with those departments. The Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities, for example, great people over there at our state regulator, but have had some change recently also. So we see our role as an education agent and the ability to build relationships with some of the new uh, staff that they have there that uh, are working hard to interact uh, on a good in a good way with our credit union. So those are some of the things that we're focusing on next week, credit union difference, obviously continuing to communicate the credit union difference and credit union awareness supports our advocacy effort, and that's a big part of what we try to do here at the state capitol as well. You have pretty good awareness of credit unions in Pennsylvania, though, I think, right? Yes, we do. I think we have we launched, actually, uh, it was back in 2007, we launched the I Belong campaign, and it's the longest-running credit union awareness uh, program in the country. And we've seen that really move the membership needle. Uh, so we have enjoyed good awareness of credit unions. But like every state, I think we could do a better job. And, and our uh, membership penetration, we'd like to see that to continue to grow. So working together with our peers in other states in CUNA, now with the National Awareness Program as well, we're hoping that that can integrate well with our program, I Belong, in Pennsylvania and just really raise the bar in terms of creating even greater awareness of credit unions and the difference that credit unions can bring to uh, their members uh, that do belong. Well, you don't have to educate too many legislators about credit unions and their difference, I don't think, in Pennsylvania. I live in Arizona at this point. I would imagine that's job one is educating legislators that there is a difference. We're not a bank. We're kind of different. Right. Whereas yeah, you, you, you have some big, well-established, pretty well-known credit unions. You even have some billion-dollar credit unions that I w- hadn't even heard of. I mean, it's, yeah, it is. A, it's a diverse group of credit unions, but uh, it's a great it's a great group. And uh, and you're right. I you know whether it's Pennsylvania or Arizona, Connecticut or New York or California, you know we, we're we've got a lot of similarities, and we also are all very unique. While our peer organizations across the country also do great work each and every day serving their credit unions. To a certain extent, we may all have differing priorities based on the needs of credit unions in our states or in our regions. Is cannabis banking an issue in Pennsylvania? It is. We have medical uh, marijuana in Pennsylvania. We have uh, a new lieutenant governor that has been traveling the state. The governor has uh, asked the lieutenant governor to go on a listening tour to explore uh, recreational marijuana, which, of course, we've seen increasing in other states across the country. I don't think it's going to happen in the very near future here in our state, but I do think um, the lieutenant governor's initiative traveling to different markets around the state of Pennsylvania is certainly airing the issue out. I think when it comes to banking, we still have a problem. You know, finding financial institutions that are willing to participate in this really what is really a growing industry now, It's that's been a challenge. And I think, you know, our role has been to try to provide resources and information to credit unions and to be a liaison to the State Department of Revenue, for example, and other governmental agencies that need to have banking relationships, the medical marijuana side now, and ultimately if recreational does become a reality in Pennsylvania, as it has in so many other states, uh, that, that need will be increased. So it is. It's an issue. We had a lot of conversation last week, for example, with our congressional representatives at GAC on Capitol Hill in Washington. So I think it's going to be an issue that continues to rise up our priority list as as we move forward. Are you aware of any Pennsylvania credit unions that are doing cannabis banking? 
No, uh, we're not aware of any today. I know that there are a number doing due diligence. And again, I think that's been the role of uh, PCUA is to be a resource in that regard. Some We have done some programming and brought a credit union in from Colorado uh, to talk about their experience. Uh, one of our events about two years ago, we've continued to do webinars and other opportunities to learn more about this growth uh, opportunity, perhaps, for credit unions. So I think we're seeing more and more due diligence, and I think as the uh, industry evolves, we can expect to see more credit unions and other institutions consider getting more actively involved in it. Is tax exemption a big issue among your members? It is. uh, You know, I mean, it's, it's really obviously one of the very most important things that we want to preserve and protect. But the good news is, you know, you think about it, the tax code was open in Washington for, you know, nearly a year, and we did not see a single amendment even introduced that would do away with the credit union tax exemption. So I think we feel like we, as an industry, have done a pretty good job at educating Congress on that issue. And I feel like we're in a good position. So I don't get the sense that it's a sense of alarm with our credit unions. I just think it's one we just have to remain vigilant on and just understand it's always going to be one of the most important priorities and continue to educate elected officials on the credit union difference and why it's appropriate to have that exemption. And and if we can do that effectively as we have in the past with the help of our credit unions, I think we'll be able to maintain that as we move forward. Now for a word from our sponsor. Are you looking to recapture members, increase your margins, live your mission? QCash is what you want to know about. That's because QCash delivers a fully automated, small-dollar, short-term credit solution that allows credit unions to meet members' short-term cash needs. Accuso is dedicated to helping credit unions build financial stability and health for its members. Check out QCash at QCash.com. Before we go, the CU 2.0 podcast is looking for a few good sponsors to help us spread the word about the digital transformation of credit unions. You could be one of them. Contact Robert McGarvey for details at rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. First come, first served. Again, that's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. The CU 2.0 podcast.